I did see Rick Lyman, but I believe he's in a conference at the present time. So if you take a moment or two, I'd like to begin with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get together. Bless the people here in your house of worship. We're mindful that tomorrow is Flag Day where we display the emblem of our nation. Nation of... A nation of people who are free. Land of the brave. One nation, undivisible, and under God. We pray that this may always be true. People of God said, Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. They're, they're taking away my microphone and giving me a regular one. Well, it, may be, it was making noise. Let's see if we can. That's my talking. Yeah. Well, it's making other, other noises. Oh, other noises. I'm sorry. I only make noise, not other noises. Is it better? Is, can you can you hear me? Yes. Unfortunate. Too bad. I've had a number of requests already. Huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to talk anyway. I do have a few remarks for my uh, students from my prior class, and your it might be not very information intensive for you right now but I feel an obligation to them, so I'm going to talk about what we covered in our class and subsequent information that I found since then. Haswell is here. Haswell is the fourth generation Intel processor that we've been looking forward for for quite some time. It hit the stores on June 3. The desktops are in at the present time. Uh, the laptops should be coming very shortly. What this means for you is the fact that the Haswell processor is the next generation. It is very powerful. It is cheaper. And it does a remarkable job of getting people ready for the next generation of equipment that's coming out. 2013 is going to be a watershed year in the computer industry. People may not know that until 2014 or 15, but it is going to be an enormous year for all kinds of products to come out. Now, normally, the hardware comes out first, and then the software follows within a year to 18 months. So you're going to see an explosion of all kinds of devices and all types of uh, equipment and software to drive these. So it's something you're not going to avoid if you deal in the computer department, because it's, it's going to be, they're going to actively announce these products to you and their software and all the good stuff they do. My job when I was at Micro Center was, of course, to sell. But I felt a higher need to explain what the equipment does and how to use it. That need, I think, is ever increasing with the enormous explosion of different types of computers that are out there. We've checked, we've got the reviews on Haswell on the desktop so far. And the results are somewhat mixed. It is good, but it isn't quite the fireball that they proclaimed it to be. Um, but it does remarkably good at what it does. Now, what we're talking about is comparing the latest generation Haswell with their previous generation. There is a demonstrable increase in performance, but it isn't the huge leap that we were looking for. 
The good thing about it is it's less costly to manufacture. It's less costly to buy. You have a graphics card that equals the high-end performance that you would normally have to buy to use with the equipment. That means you don't have to buy it. And that means you save about $200 right off the top. Because it has integrated video with it, there's a new device coming down the pike called Thunderbolt. You've probably never heard of it before. And again, this is the common press. They only go for what's the in thing at the time. I look ahead. I want a roadmap. I want to see what's coming down the pike. Because I don't want to buy something that is going to be obsolescent in a year or so. I want to be prepared to take advantage of new technology when it becomes available. And Thunderbolt will be a way of connecting external devices to your computer that will allow for very quick and fast transmission of data back and forth, and it will also power them up. One of the chronic complaints that we've always have heard is the fact that you have this computer, and you have a plug-in, and you've got a thousand wires all over the place. It's a real spider's web, a real nest. We're approaching, hopefully, the time when we have one power cable going into the computer and very few wires coming out of it. Because the wire that you'll be able to use will be able to transmit the information and power to these devices. And that's stunning. And I'm not talking about a marginal increase. I'm talking about the quantum leap increase in speed. Right now, Thunderbolt is going through the second generation. It will be on the motherboards for Haswell. You cannot use Thunderbolt unless you have onboard graphics on the chip. So that's one of the reasons why they came out with it. And, uh, and as a side, computer industry is a marvelous industry to be in. Uh, I'd probably write a book about it, except I'd probably be shot the next day. Companies know the giants, Apple and Intel, and to a, a certain extent, AMD. They make the processors and the equipment that we use. And they want to have alliances with them, manufacturers that deal with hard drives, optical drives, USB sticks, uh, all the stuff that goes along with it. They want to team up with these people so that when you buy their equipment, you're going to buy theirs. At one time, AMD bought a company that makes the graphic uh, cards that go inside computers. They bought them out and they figured what we're going to do is meld the two together. Fantastic idea. Intel used NVIDIA as their partner, and they made the cards separately to go into their machines. NVIDIA did something they particularly didn't like. They came out with a processor for the tablets, which Intel didn't consider to be important at the time. And they were, of course, wrong. So they retaliated and said, we too will put our graphics on the chip, so you don't have to buy their stuff anymore. So they were very pleased with it. And that's the way it goes in the computer world. Alliances form one day, they fall apart the next. And our job as technicians were, was to really check what was going on, to make sure that people would understand what to get. Because in sales, you earn your money by selling something. Doesn't make any difference if it was the best, or if it was good, or even if it was terrible. When you make a sale, you gain money. And that's what we did. We sold things. Now, we like to think 
that we're knowledgeable enough to inform the people as to what is going on and what they need. We ask tons of questions. Because if we sell you the wrong thing, you can just bring it back the next day. We don't like people who are discouraged, disappointed, uh, frustrated. If you're going to be so frustrated with computer equipment, you're not going to buy anything again. If I had the greatest computer in the whole wide world, and you got it for free, but every time you went to it, you got a fairly decent electrical shock. Didn't do anything wrong. You just got a nice shock. Now, how long do you think you're going to use that computer? Do you really think you're going to go to that and maybe make an inquiry, maybe look something up on the Internet? Because you know you're going to get a shock. Our intent is to make sure you don't get electrocuted by your machine. And I don't mean necessarily a physical electrical shock, but harmed. Because there are people out there who don't care. They sometimes do things to you to gain your money. Some of them are so bad, they do it just to have fun. They'll erase all your data on your hard drives. They consider that fun. This is our society today. And I'd be remiss in the conduct of my duties if I not, job number one would be to make you safe. If you want to go on the internet and place Gadoo or whatever they call it, fine. That's your, that's your responsibility. That's your opinion. That's what you want to do. I'm not going to tell you not to do that. But I'm going to make sure you're going to be safe. The Haswell processor, the one thing that I like about it is the motherboards that are attached to it. Understand a computer is not one technology, but a blend of many technologies. That's why it's so difficult. We have all these manufacturers trying to do something to enhance the performance of a computer. Sometimes they succeed and sometimes they don't. The equipment has to play well with each other, and that's where basically most of the problems come in. They just, they're so quick in getting it out they don't check with the other manufacturers as to what they're doing, and they cause problems. In my field of expertise, we used to call it trial and error. Well, it's more error than trial sometimes. Um, we have to go through and determine a little bit better how we do these things, and I think they're beginning to get that. Um, but it does cause a great deal of problems, and they shouldn't be there. They shouldn't have to have those problems. Haswell's motherboards are loaded. They have the latest technology to bring you into the next few few years at least. Um, they may sound like Greek to you, but they do use the latest connections for hard drives to make them very fast, to make the speed transmission very good. They use USB 3 ports, not USB 2, so the transmission speed doubles again. They are designed to be used with uh, solid-state drives, which have no moving parts, but are still relatively expensive. They know that's the future. So you're prepared for quite some time in advance on it. One thing the industry isn't telling you that we found out is the fact that these motherboards and processors, probably after Haswell, will be soldered to the motherboard. Now, that may not seem like much to you, but understand this. 
once they put the processor onto the motherboard and they solder it in place, if anything goes wrong with either the processor or the motherboard, you have to get both. If you want to upgrade components, and that's the reason why I like desktops, because you can always upgrade something. Again, you're going to have to get a new processor and a new motherboard. That makes things a little bit more difficult, and that's going to be especially difficult when you go out to the pre-built systems. My job was to design and make computer equipment for an individual who'd walk into our department and from the ground up make a system to their specification. Now, obviously, these are for power users. Not everybody's a power user. I realize that. But just like anything else, you know, the race cars that go around at the track, you know, well, who cares about that? Well, some people apparently do. But the fact of the matter is we have better fuel economy because the guy who can go around the track without refueling is going to probably be in the winning circle. We have better tires because he doesn't have to change them so often. So we benefit from this technology. So although they do their goofy thing going in circles until they get dizzy, um, we benefit from it. So the high-end people are the ones that we look at because, quite frankly, they have the money, they have the resources, they have the desire, and we want to cater to them. Quite frankly, also, it's more profitable. But from that high technology, it eventually sinks down into everything. So what I'm saying, in effect, is if you're going to be looking for a computer, now is probably one of the best times to do so. The old equipment that, out there, that is out there will have to be reduced in price to make way for something that's cheaper and better. It is one of the greatest jobs in the whole wide world when you talk to somebody out in the area, the sales area, and I like to tell them, you know, I'd like to sell you that, but I've got stuff back in the warehouse that's cheaper and better. I wish General Motors would sell cars like this. Uh, sorry, sir, we can't sell you that car in our lot today. We've got new ones coming right in the car tra uh, trailer here, and they're better and cheaper than what we have on the floor. Nobody's going to, of course, tell you that, but I'm going to tell you that. So even if you decide not to go with a high-end processor, the lower-end processors and equipment will be much cheaper. As a matter of fact, the preliminary report we have now is that tablets will be below $100 by the end of 2013, a little bit more than six months from now. If you don't necessarily want high-end equipment, guess what? <laughs> You've got plenty of choices. Don't let anybody tell you what you need. You tell them what you need. That's the problem in the industry. They have all kinds of promises and guarantees, and they show glitzy pictures on uh, on the screens, and they say, wow, you have to have it. It's the eye candy f factor that I call it. And it looks nice. You get it home, and what happens? It doesn't work so well. It doesn't look so nice. Then I'll tell you, they have a team of technicians standing behind them ready to take care of any glitch or any problem they may have, and they themselves are fairly knowledgeable. Most people who use that technology are not. But it isn't that it's so, uh, some sort of secret really the fact that nobody told you about it. And for seniors especially, it's difficult because we didn't grow up with this stuff. Uh, kids go around and they, they play with their Walkman and their you know, telephones and you know, it looks so darn simple. Well, they kind of grew up with it. Not only that, little kids get together and they talk about it and when somebody doesn't know it, they 
talk to the new kid and they tell them what it's all about. That's one good way to learn. But for seniors, we, we have a little bit of difficulty there. We're kind of behind the curve. When I worked at Micro Center, I worked there for 10 years, I noticed a phenomenon. Generally in our society in the past, it has been the seniors that were respected and venerated. Because quite frankly, what you learned, if it didn't kill you, it made you wiser. I see a lot of wise people around here. We've been around the block a few times. Unfortunately, in today's society, I see the grandmas and the grandpas come in with the nephews and the sons, and they say, oh, no, mom, no, dad, don't get that. That's too old-fashioned. And they guide their parents or their grandparents. For the first time in our society, we're marginalizing seniors. That is not a good thing. I say it's time not to be marginalized. Time to find out what things are going on because you do have the knowledge and you do have the wisdom to deal with it. On top of which, you are Christians. And I've seen the world outside. I've been away from Christ Church for a while. And uh, during one particular time was Christmas, which is the most chaotic time of the year in computer sales. Somebody turned to me and he said, what would you like for Christmas? I said, I think I'd like to kill somebody. I said it half-heartedly, but there was just a little bit of grain of truth in it. I had it. Uh, people can be less than human. And I didn't like that. Customers always right. No, frequently wrong. But we have to cater to their whims, and that's how we make our money. I think I wanted to get out of that particular scenario. So I said to myself, well, what are you going to do? You're, you're retired now. You have a lot of fairly good life, interesting things. You have this information. Um, some people said you should write. You explain things very well. I said, now, nah, who wants to read me? Well, so I thought about it. And I said, where, was I had, where did I have the best time of my life? Well, Christ Church. Where did I learn the most about things that were important to me? Christ Church. Where did I meet all my friends uh, and that I've had for many years? Christ Church. Where have I gone into people's homes and had Bible studies and prayed with them? Christ Church. Where should I go? I think it would be a good idea to come back to Christ Church. But I had somewhat of a problem. When I came back after some years. I was an elder at one time, and when a certain young pastor started uh, to, to take uh, the place of our senior founding pastor, some individuals in our senior group didn't particularly like what he was doing. Felt moving too fast, spending too much money. So they got together and decided, we're going to protest. And uh, we're going to withhold our money, and we're going to tell people to do the same thing, and we're going to organize a protest against the pastor. Now, I kind of agreed with them somewhat, but what I didn't know is they didn't go to him first. In other words, they decided they're not going to listen to him, they're not going to do what they want, so they start this rump and go ahead and attack him. I put my name on the list. 
fortunate, and it, it really got out of hand. Uh, Pastor Danny White in the Vesper service, which we used to have, which was kind of an, uh, an open choir, an open sing-along for the parishioners. Uh, they generally invited somebody to sometimes speak. And Danny White led into the group that was protesting uh, Dan Meyer's approach and really lambasted us. They call it the bully pulpit. He did everything except respond to our requests or demands. One of the people in the group was sitting there and was very agitated. Behind him was somebody who was not part of our team, but felt very badly about the fact that this had to go up public and wrote one of the best letters of literature I've ever heard about the evils of the bully pulpit and about people who don't agree being so angered with each other. Fortunately, Daniel Meyer had the presence of mind to say, I'm taking it off the table. This isn't going to be a problem. Now, when I came back, he was the first person, the first person to greet me. He said, Lou, it's so good to have you back. I felt badly. Um, Obviously, he had forgiven me. That was no problem. But I had to go see him, and I had to go see him prior to his leaving on sabbatical. The reason I bring it up is that I talked to him, and I explained I felt badly because at that point in time, you probably needed somebody to support you. You probably didn't need somebody to get in your face and say, you know, Arthur Cryer wouldn't have done that. How many times did he have to go around and, and at least think in his own mind, I'm not Arthur DeCryder. I'm Dan Meyer. I do things the way I think they should be done, and it should be done by a pastor. You should have that feeling that he should have the respect and the authority to do what he wants. So I explained that to him, and he looked at me and he said, what are you going to do here at Christ Church? Well, I have this background in computers, and I tend to believe that we could do a lot more with it. As this church continues to grow, there's just no way you can communicate with people just with paper or send out a letter. And he agreed. He said, look, we have a good website, and they do. They have a good IT department, and they do. But I said, there are areas that I could look at that I think we can improve on. And the communication can be two ways. I would like to talk to these people, IT people and some of the others. (laughs) Daniel, in his own gesture, pointed his finger at me, sort of like a gun. He said, now, these are the other people I want to put you on that list for. You can talk to them, too. And when I come back in September, we'll talk about this. So I literally took that as Well, in Roman Catholicism, we called it penance. And that's exactly what I thought it was. Go around and talk to these people and come back with some sort of idea as to what we can do. I think we can do a little bit more. And the church certainly has a roadmap dealing with that. A whole new system uh, in electronics and also software is going to be put in place by the fall. And I think it's going to help internally with all the reports they have to go through. I feel sorry for the pastors around here and the staff. The amount of paperwork they do is enormous. And hopefully that's going to help them up. But I also said, you know, 
people need to know what they can do. It's not a one-way street. And I wanted to talk to people precisely about how we can accomplish that. My job is to, one, find out if there's a need. If there's no need, don't do anything. Find out if there's a demand for that need. If nobody wants to deal with this, why bother to pursue it? Find out how to meet that demand. Tell me how much it's going to cost, both in money and in manpower. And we'll see if we can get something done. So I started talking to those people, and I have been encouraged every step of the way. And I think there's a great many things we can do, but of course we ha- I am not going to do it without his permission. I'm, I'm through trying to protest. Uh, uh, I'm going to wait for him to say, yeah, that looks like a good idea, let's do it, and wait for his staff to say something about it. But I think that can be done, and it can be handled very easily. We hope to have, in the not-too-distant future, uh, some greater information on exactly how that's going to be accomplished. The only thing I have in the way of pre-announcements is this. At my old uh, workplace, microcenter, on 6.15 and 6.16, they're going to have at 2 o'clock, and that's both Saturday and Sunday, a discussion, a class on smartphones, tablets, e-readers. If you're interested in those, I would suggest going to it. Absolutely free. You don't have to register ahead of time. All you have to do is walk into the Micro Center office over on Cass and Ogden Avenue at 2 o'clock, either Saturday or Sunday. I suggest Sunday. Dan Heiss teaches on Sunday. He's good. And on 623 and 622 and 623, they're going to be talking about video surveillance and video transmission. Uh, the transmission will be basically taking the video surveillance and transmitting it remotely somewhere. It's not going to be, um, you know, how to do movies or how to uh, download uh, movies from the internet. It is going to be about surveillance equipment. Good thing about it, free, no requirements necessary. Dan is a very good uh, teacher. You can talk to him and ask him any question he wants, you want. And if he doesn't know, he'll find out and get back to you. You're not required to buy anything or go anywhere. Yes? What's the name of the school? Micro Center. Micro Center. It's located M-I-C-R-O-C-E-N-T-E-R. I used to steal their bags. They have very good plastic bags. Micro Center. It's right there on the plaza where they have Hobby Lobby and Jewel. And get on their mailing list. They have seminars basically every Saturday and Sunday. It might be on a topic that you're interested in. I always encourage people to go there. Did you say they're an hour? An hour to 90 minutes. It depends. Uh, Dan will be there, and he will ask uh, and uh, talk about the questions people give to him. Ogden and Cass. In Westmont. Right. With that, I have finished my pre-statements that I wanted to make today. Oh, one final thing. Uh, both Hewlett-Packard and Asus are coming out with Leap Motion Control enabled on their laptops when they come out. What Leap Motion Control is, is you have your screen in front of you on your laptop, 
you take your fingers in front of it. Did anybody ever see Minority Report, the one with, uh, well, who was it? Uh, I've forgotten the, the actor, but he went like this in front of his computer and all the graphics moved in, up in the air. Well, it's not going to be quite that way. I mean, that's a little advanced. But you're going to move your fingers across it and the next page will come up. Or you're going to go, without actually touching the screen, you're able to move your fingers and the text will enlarge or a photograph. This is going to be enabled in the laptops. Uh, it's relatively inexpensive. It will cost a little bit more, but they are coming down the pike. And this will be worthwhile to look at. Both Asus and Hewlett Packard are coming out with it. Yes? Well, will that all be integrated so you can use it in the new Haswell and, and all the other computers you have and so forth? Or Yes, they will come out with a newer technology that Haswell permits this. Remember, what's done here is that the graphics have to be integrated on the chip. So that's one of the reasons why they're doing this. Now, I talked about the desktops. As for the laptops, they're not yet available in any number. So you're going to have to pay a little bit of a premium for it. I expect that the prices will come down very quickly because once Intel gets production going and the manufacturers get the processors, there's no need for them to delay. They'll come out very quickly. I would imagine by August when uh, students go back to school, there's going to be tremendous sales on them and they'll probably quickly drop in priority price. Um, you know, look at them. That may not be your cup of tea, but look at them. We don't have any actual data on how good they perform, but I can tell you this, their promise of all-day computing power, 12 hours before you have to recharge your battery, looks like a very realistic goal that they've already accomplished. So it looks very, very good. The laptops, I think, are going to benefit the most from Haswell at the present time. We do expect, because it's just starting, that Haswell is going to continue and they're going to squeeze more and more power out of it. So again, if you're looking at something, take in consideration about it. I think it's going to be worthwhile for quite some time. With that, we're going to open it up to questions. And I'm going to have two rules on it. First, uh, I'm here all the time. Uh, I've, I've gone to Bible study with you and worship service with you. I've been here for love and for life. And I have, for the first time now, in front, I can get to see your faces. So when you get to a microphone, and wait until the microphone comes to you, I want you to give your first name. And keep hanging on to that microphone, because I have a nasty habit of asking questions as soon as a question is asked to me, because I have to know a lot of particulars. And I don't want to walk away with, your, uh, with anybody confused or not uh, informed of what they needed to know. This is your opportunity to ask me. I don't know everything. But if I do know, I'll tell you. If I don't, I'll find out. First question. Hi. 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 My name is Frank Ed. I am computer literate. Very good. However, many of the people in this room don't own a computer, don't have access to a computer, don't know why they should buy one. That's the first question. <laughs> Maybe I should have stayed at Micro Center. <laughs> all right. First of all, you don't own a computer. That's fine. I have to tell you something. People have been known to live healthy, capable, productive lives and never touch a computer. If you feel it isn't worth the nonsense, 
guess what? Fine. You've made a wise choice for you. However, I'd like to point this out to you. As you know, more and more of our society is going to be dealing with computers. I have arthritis in my knees, and it's starting in my fingers. Um, my computer systems are designed so that I can communicate without having to touch them, just voice commands. I still sit down, and doctors will probably give me new legs or something, who knows. But the fact of the matter is, it will greatly enhance my ability to communicate with people. Also, because of the new technology, the ability to communicate is going to be greatly enhanced for individuals. And again, a tablet, 200, less than $200, less than $100, my goodness, if you can't afford that. Number two, if you don't have a computer, most libraries in the area do have a computer section, and you can log on there. When the floods we had in April hit my home, my, my basement was flooded and my internet connection was downstairs. I still don't have an internet connection, even though I have computerized equipment going. So I go to the Downers Grove Public Library. They know me very well, and I just log in, uh, remote control, and I can deal with it there. So that's one way of getting involved with computers at no cost. Also, most libraries have classes that deal with basics, um, how to go on the internet. If that's all you want to do with a computer, go on the internet, you have an options to deal just with that. And again, go there. They allow you to use it for an hour a day, free. And if you really need it for longer periods of time, you can do that. And as I indicated, the equipment is getting cheaper. I have been told that we are looking into the possibility of actually having some sort of computer set up here for members of the church um, we have to look at that very carefully, mainly because of the fact that, believe it or not, this place is so crowded that we can't set aside a particular room to be used exclusively for computerized equipment. It has to be a multi-purpose unit. In other words, we can use it for classes one day, Bible study the next day, um, another party coming in for another reason, whatever it may be. So we cannot exclude people from coming into a place that's just loaded with computers. They do this at public libraries, and it's a great idea because they set them up, and when they don't need them, they just close it down. We can't afford to do that. But the technology has increased to the point where there are a number of options, and we're looking at those at the present time. I realize we need on-hands approach. I want you sitting behind a computer screen. When I go up in front and we go over the problems and quandaries of System 8, for Microsoft because, again, as the technology increases and the hardware, the software also increases, and there can be more things done you can possibly think of. This is the one problem that I have with individuals is, do you have any idea of what you can do with a computer? Most people don't even come close. We're in the field, and a lot of my compadres, they don't even know. I told them Haswell's here, and they said, who's Haswell? should know this stuff. They don't. I like to keep up within the industry and uh, apprise people of what's out there because frequently they need just to know. Because again, people want to sell you something. That's good for them, but is it good for you? I'm here to tell you what's good for you. Did that answer your question? Somewhat? My, well, qu my question. Okay, uh, think about that and if you have 
want a more, a more definitive answer, I'll come back to you and we'll go over that. I've been told that I will be here until they turn off the lights and take away the microphone. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll have breaks periodically. I will not leave until all the questions are asked until they throw me out, one or the other. You have a question. Is there registration for the uh, class on no. 15 and 16? Just walk in. Just in. Is there a phone number? Uh, there is a phone number. It's the main number. I'm not sure of what it is, but you don't need to register. And once you get your name into their computer system, you'll be informed that um, they have additional classes. They generally pick them up well in advance, so you can know about those. And I didn't get your first name. Audrey. Audrey, thank you, Audrey. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay, thank you. Anyone else have a question? I've heard no dumb questions. You may get some dumb answers, but I have heard of no dumb questions. Uh, my name is Judy. Um, I have a computer that I feel has too much safety factors on it. <clears throat> I was left with the computer uh, with multiple of programs. I'm wondering which one which program you recommend that's a total all sort of thing that I can get rid of some of this other stuff that's, I think, slowing down by computer. Okay. Is that your major problem is the computer is just slowing down? Okay. The one thing they don't tell you about when you get a computer is that over a period of time, they all seem to slow down. There are a number of reasons for this. When you put programs on, whether it's for security, or it's an operating program, or if it's a program to do music, or film, or whatever, it tends to eat up more and more of the memory, more and more of the disk space in which the programs reside on. And as you deal with it more and more, you use more and more uh, files. So what starts out as a clean hard drive gets to be kind of messy after a period. Part of that is the way computers actually put information on the hard drive. We like to think that technology is cutting edge. Well, I have to tell you, frequently the technology is dependent upon what was done in the past. And they don't like to change things unless they absolutely have to. You'll have to forgive my drawing. I have had a complaint that my, my writing is poor. <laughs> Choke is on them. That's not handwriting. That's printing. It's still poor. OK. Here's your happy face hard drive. There is an arm with a read-write head on it. Basically what it does, it puts the information on the hard drive. Now, a computer, despite its power, does not know what you're doing. And what they do is they just merely put, they start from the center and they work out. The reason being that the center is where they can access the information a little quicker. It doesn't have to revolve so much. So they don't know if you're doing a, a, a short note or you're putting the Encyclopedia Britannica on it. So it's putting it wherever there's a space. And if the space is far away, it just puts that data on it. So it's all over the place. 
And when you want to read that file, it has to go to every one of those places to read it. Now, we have much faster hard drives than we've had in the past, and they're capable of doing multitask functions, which is desirable. But one of the reasons why it's slowing down is the fact that you have to go all over and find these files. There are several ways of curing that particular problem, the first of which is to use a system that takes all these programs and brings them together. They call them defragmenters. Everything is fragmented. It's all over the hard drive. So now they bring them all together in one file close to each other. Some of the better programs determine we know, and the computers know this, we know what kind of programs you go to all the time. So we're going to put those in first priority. We're going to put those near the center of the hub that we can access quicker. So based on your what you do with your computer, those programs would be closer in the center and more readily available to you. There comes with most uh, computers, virtually every one of them, a defragment program. Unfortunately, Microsoft kind of buries it. and You have to go hunt for it. You can go to the control panel and go to defragment, generally it's systems, depending upon what level of software you're in, and have the hard drive defragmented. If it hasn't been done for some time, it probably does need it. Also, you can find out the capacity of your hard drive. You may have so many programs on it that it's just about full. You need at least a 10% blank space in it because it needs to move this stuff around. It's sort of like you want to paint a, a living room. You have to take the furniture out and you have to put it in another room. Well, it needs space to move the stuff out somewhere. And then it defragments that space. Then it brings it all back together nice and neat. So if you're beyond, I'd say, 80% full on the hard drive, you need indeed to either take off programs or move them, preferably to another hard drive. Computers, despite their power, are dumb machines. I mean, they're really stupid. Box of rocks dumb. Uh, in the use of the binary programs that uh, you, don't, you don't know binary programs. Hmm. Well, that might be a problem. Who here can speak another language other than English? Oh, okay. I want to, what language would that be? Polish. Polish. Well, okay. I want to go to a Polish restaurant with you, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, this is a defect. You used to work on a principle cause, you know, heard cause and effect. Well, this is programs I deal with are cause and defect. You know, there's something wrong with them. We have to change it. So, for all those who can, I want you to stand. Please stand. You know, whole group. If you can't stand, remain seated. And I want you to get your fingers, you know, kind of loosen them up. You don't have to hold them up the air. I want them loose. I want, you know, you're going to need those fingers. Okay. I'm going to teach you the binary language of computers. Thank you. That's no, it's not getting any looser than that, okay? Fine, thank you. Computers know one thing, on and off. All those transistors that they talk about, their sole purpose is to turn on and off. That's it. Unfortunately, in the English language, on starts with a zero or with an O, and off starts with a zero. So if you give them zeros, they don't know what to do. You want me on, you want me off. So they devised the way to work it is 
from electronics, a circuit is closed when it's zero. The two ends meet, so that circuit is closed. When the circuit is open, you get a straight line. So that's the binary language of computers, zero and one. There is no two, there is no three, just on or off. Now, let's see if you have this. What's that? Zero. On. Okay. What's that? Zero. Zero. Okay. On. What's that? Zero. On again. Okay. What's that? Now be sure. Now come on, guys. You know this is a church. But show you got to show the right finger. I mean, you know, don't don't give me the other one. Okay, you'd be surprised how many times I get. Okay, that's that's off. Another one. Off. Another one. Off. Hmm. All these people. Hmm. On. Huh. Wow. You guys are smart. You picked it up. Thank you. You may be seated. Dash, 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 dot, 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 dash, dash, dash. You just spelled SOS. Now, if anybody asks you again, you speak English, you speak Polish, but all of you now here speak the binary language of computers. Tell that to your friends. See, see the kid with the, the iPod, you know, going, well, I, I killed a million Martians. <laughs> I know the binary language of computers. Wow. Now, if you tell somebody who knows this, they realize how simple it is. But understand why I went through that exercise with you. A computer is basically stupid. All it can do is count on or off. That's it. There are no letters in it. There are no mar uh, movies in it. There are no photographs in it. There's no music in it. It's O's and ones, that's all. And the programming that we do reads those zeros and ones, and it can make music, or a document, or a photograph, or a motion picture. You can put a simple document in it, or literally you can download the entire Encyclopedia Britannica if you have space. What you do with it is those zeros and ones, what you want to do with it. That's up to you. It does a marvelous good job of recording those zeros and ones. And you can do remarkable things with it. Absolutely. The bad thing is because the computer is so stupid, and you don't know what you're doing, we've got not knowledgeable people talking to a stupid machine. What do you think the outcome is going to be? We used to have uh, two kinds of vendors that dealt with books for beginners. It was books for idiots and books for dummies. Never did like that concept. Well, I've got to tell you, basically, the dummies won. It can only happen in America. Understand, you have to be knowledgeable because the system is not. And by going through the programs, by going through and just learning the basics, you can be so far advanced that it's beyond belief. I have just told you something, that 90% of the people who touch a keyboard on a computer do not know. They don't know that very simple fact.
because nobody told them. You do. You're right now in the top 10% of people who touch computers. Top 10%. So I don't want to hear the excuse, well, it's beyond me. You're in the top 10%. I'm not taking it anymore. Why should you? All you have to do is be told this stuff. And when you break it down into simple steps, it's pretty darn easy. Any other questions? Yes. No, they're, they're coming. My name is Mary. Hi, Mary. Are you saying that you need to clean it off periodically, and I don't know how? Um, is that what you're talking about with this defragmenting, and how, how do you do it? To, okay. Uh, Again, most of the programs do have a defragmenter in it. I'm not what I call a lazy person, but I like to be an efficient person, and there's actually programs that you can get that will do that, clear up the junk on the hard drive, get rid of programs. Another terrible thing they don't tell you is when you use the delete button and you get things you don't want anymore, guess what? It's still there. They just take it out of the table of contents and tell the computer that it's now available to write on that space. But those programs are still there. And when you go out and buy programs, third-party software, I got news for you. Every one of those people who buy, you buy people, uh, you buy their programs, they have a nasty habit of putting their little symbol, whoops, down on the bottom. It's, this is what they call a taskbar. And you can see the symbols on it. Now you have one for Internet Explorer, you'll have another one for maybe a music program, you might have something else. Guess what? Those programs are active and running on your computer. But I don't want it on. And I mean, 24, as soon as you turn it on, I don't want it on all the time. I bought a program called uh, Media Creator. I've been with those people for goodness knows how many years, probably 13 years. I love the way they do media. CDs, DVDs, movies, photos. Real great. Put it on my computer. There's an area you can go to to determine what is running on your computer you'd be horrified of how many programs are actually running at the same time. But you bought our program. Don't you want us? Yeah, but not 24-7. When I want it, I go to the icon. I don't want you sitting there gobbling up cycles out of my RAM so I can't, it slows it down. Why they do this is beyond me. Good idea to say, no, I don't want you on until I ask you. Thank you. Unfortunately, they don't give you an option. Why, I'm not sure, but they always want that program out. I think, from their viewpoint, they don't want you to go to some competitor. So it's already on this. So you, go, you put the other program, and says, we already have one going, so why do you want to change it? Do you want to change it? Do you want this new program to read your records for you, your CDs or DVDs? Oh, no, the other one did a pretty good job. They will automatically change it. They won't let you know without your permission. Feel you bought it, we're king of the hill. And you may not want it. There is one program that I can recommend. Again, I like to keep things very simple. Can you change from that red marker to a darker color? Uh, let me check. Sometimes they dry out. 
I want to check the there are so many programs that sometimes they get a little bit confusing as to which one you go I believe it's called Systems Mechanic. It's a software program you buy. Um, it does everything. Defragments your hard drive, gets rid of the garbage. You can go on to Startup Display, and it will tell you all the programs that are running. And what I like about it, it will say, well, do you know which ones to get rid of? I mean, there's some you do want to keep. It will say, you can safely remove this program. Now, understand, when you're removing it from the startup, you are not removing the program off of your computer. All you're doing is saying, when I start up my computer, I don't want this thing to be running automatically. And that will autom uh, automatically make your system work, work a lot faster. They will tell you there's a 79% chance of, of people who use this program don't want it out all the time. And I think about 50%, you're fine. The reason why I don't make it 100% is sometimes some people want the program on all the time because they go to it so frequently, they just want it resident. Also, as we continue to get to new and more powerful computers with a lot more RAM to it, they're able to take all these programs on at one time. Um, so there becomes a question of desirability, whether or not you want it. Now, when it comes to software, this is something else they're not going to tell you. Eventually, all the software goes at some sort of discount. They want to get customers, and they want to keep your customers. So what they do is they go around to the certain chains, Micro Center, Fry's, Best Buy, and they discount their prices. And frequently they'll have rebates. They like rebates because of the fact that people forget to send them in. Uh, they don't cash the check. They don't send in the proper documentation so they can legitimately refuse it. So when you get the enticement of getting money back, it's a very valid reason to buy them but they know they're going to come out ahead. So what you do is you wait, and you go to the websites of some of these major stores, those three ones that I talked to you about, or get the flyers that come in the mail. You'll find the software is on sale. I picked up System Mechanic. Originally, it goes for $69. I've got a rebate on it. They had a discount. And because I'm a prior user, I get a, another rebate on top of it. You know how much it cost me? On, yeah, right, okay, zero. That one is legitimately zero. So I have extension on my program, and you can set it up virtually any way you want to. They're pretty good at explaining it. As a matter of fact, if you register the software with them, you will get maybe every other day a tip as to how to use it right there on your computer screen. Very easy. And if you don't want to deal with it right there, guess what I have on my mail spot? Mail to system mechanic, so I just save it to that, and I can go back in the in any time in the in the future, and go to it and find out what kind of tip they were talking about. If it's something I don't want, fine. If it's something I think it'll be appropriate, fine. I can work with it. It is probably one of the best programs I've seen. When it comes to third-party software, I can readily recommend it. I use it, and I use it uh, quite frequently. And the good thing about it, it runs in the background. If you do something 
that is memory intensive on your computer, it will stop. And then when you're not so memory intensive in the computer, it'll pick it up and keep it up to date. I like things you don't have to think about. Do we have another question? Yes, please. Hi, my name's Mary Schneider. Right. And with all of the media coverage about privacy, civil rights, communication today, is there any search engine that is not reporting all of our data to the government or Big Brother? Uh, I used to be using what was called Start Page because I was told that that didn't routinely just turn over everything. Um, is there anything like that on this side, I'll call it, of the Atlantic, or do you have to go to some sort of a European start engine uh, to, to do this? Okay, good question. The European ones are the ones they go to first. As long as we have the Patriot Act that says, in effect, that somebody can go, and we don't know who that somebody is, but somebody in the, uh, in the administration can go to the court and ask that all the telecommunications be downloaded and reported to them. They have a court order to that effect. Now, they tell us that they're not listening into your conversations. What they're looking for are certain words like terrorism and bomb or jihad within the same sentence. So they're alerted to that, and that gives them the legal right and the opportunity to actually track that particular phone call and the phone caller and where it was sent to. I have no problem with that. The question is, what do they do with the other 99.99% of the information that they receive? Now, quite frankly, if anybody from the government were to listen to my phone calls, they would be bored to death. Um, I'm bored to death with them. That is a legal problem that's going to have to be worked out. There is no browser. There is no phone. There is no way you can communicate without them getting that information if they so desire. Now, there's going to be, no doubt, some law on this. They're going to be working on it. But it is going to be a law. When they go to court and they say, we want it, and I don't care if you're Google or Internet Explorer or Microsoft or Apple, you're going to get that information. And you're not even going to know about it. Sorry. One of the reasons why when you go on the phone, do not use the word jihad, do not use the word bomb, and do not use the word hijack. Please. Okay, 15 minutes are over, and we've been, the, whoever is in charge has just flipped the switch, and everything you say is now going to be reported to the government. So, hey, it's wireless, come on. Uh, they're, going to talk to you, they're going to talk to you about that. I've had several questions, uh, and people talk to me during the break, and I think the questions they asked me were very, very incisive and very important, and I think I have to go over that with you now. On your tables, you have plenty of paper. If you have a pen, take it out, because you're going to do a little homework for me right now. I guarantee you don't have to go through anything. If you don't have a pen, they have pens over there. Ah, already on the table. So take a pen and turn over a page of paper so you have a blank side. I want you to put down, and don't think about it much. You know, whatever comes first to your mind is important to me. I want you to tell me what you think 
president again. Uh, what do you think you would like to do with a computer? I don't care what it is. I don't care how detailed it is. Start just writing. What would I like to do? And let's assume the fact you know everything you need to know and you have the equipment that you need to do it with. What would you like to do? Just start writing. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to ask you about it directly. You're not going to share it with me. I'm not going to collect it. This is for you. Okay, you can keep that list, and if you think of anything while we're talking, you can certainly jot it down. This is for your use. I indicated in the past that people have no idea or concept what computers are capable of. I think most people know you can do messages, you can communicate if you can speak with other people, you can text, you can download information from the internet, uh, you can take photographs from your camera and put them on the computer. You can rent movies. You can actually put those on the computer. Ooh. Um, you can make your own movies if you wanted to. The power of a present-day computer, you could do a Jurassic Park yourself if you had a film camera. Anything they did on Jurassic Park, you could do today. That's how powerful they've become. The question is, how do you do it? You've answered one particular important part of the puzzle. What is important to you? It may not be important to your neighbor, may not be that important to me, but it's important to you. This is what you want to do. Now let's assume that you have, again, all the information you need, all the programming, all the equipment, and the knowledge to use it. Think what kind of positive outcomes there could be if you could do that. You don't have to write it down, but just think. If you could do take number one, say, let's say I could do that. How would it benefit me? How would that be positive for me? Hmm. I assume because you want to do it, benefits from that are pretty nice. It would be something you really want to do. It would be beneficial for you. And I have to tell you something about computers. Once you know how to do one thing, the knowledge in doing that one thing can be transferred over to something else on the computer. The exact way of operating a system and navigating it is generally the way you deal with other programs, whether it be for music or photographs or video or browsers, whatever it is. They use the same symbols, the same logic in all their programs. Then ask, why is it important for you? I make no secret of the fact that I'm not very happy with the educational system in the United States. I'll give grade school teachers a break because their students have to memorize stuff. High school and college, I'll be kind and say the American educational system is a couple of steps above trash status. Nobody thinks. And that's why they teach. Now, I'm not saying they're bad people. 
I think they're very good people. I've known them here at Christ Church. I've dated a few. Um, they're very knowledgeable people. But I have to tell you, the system is destroying their students. Their system is destroying the teachers. People just don't think these days. And that's why we have a government that says, well, we're going to read everybody's mail. Because that system spawned people who have no concept of morality. Sociopaths, they just have no conscience. Nobody told them they should do it better. We've managed to get rid of God out of the school system. Now, ain't that grand? Gee, wasn't that a great help? Are we so much better off for that? I said a prayer this morning. One nation under God. They seem to forget that part. I think it's about time we start thinking about that again. So why is this important to you? Why are you here? You know I wasn't going to talk about swapping cooking recipes. So obviously this has some importance to you. Now you want to know how to go about it. Let me tell you my story. I worked for the state of Illinois for 25 years. I was in personnel, I was in accounting, and then I moved into administration. I like the idea of having a background in a variety of things. I believe a liberal education is just that. I took classes in accounting and finance. At Loyola University, every semester you have to take an approved course in theology or philosophy. And the philosophy was basically theology. So you end up with that as a minor, whether you like it or not. When I started a particular job, I was given a computer. They tossed it on my desk and said, this is a PC. You will learn to like it. No options. I knew nothing. Nobody told me anything. So I started working with it, and I decided, gee, I need to know something about it. So I bought a book with my money. And that book was How to Start with a Computer. And in those days, when you started with a computer, your hard drive had to be formatted, mainly because there were different ways of going about how you put the information on it. So you format the hard drive. So I had this computer on me, and I went through the book, page by page, line by line. Go through that. Now you have formatted your drive. Well, the one thing they didn't tell you, and they assumed that this was a computer you just bought and it was brand new and you had nothing on it, I just erased the database for workers' compensation self-insurance. So when I turned on the computer next, it didn't do anything. And I called the IT department. They came in and they said, what did you do? And I showed them the book. Did you reformatted the hard drive. Yep, I did. <laughs> What the book didn't say is, you erase everything. And when I found out about it, they called my boss. And he said, this guy just wiped out your database. My boss was flying from Springfield to fire me. The chairman found out about it because he's the only person who could fire somebody or hire somebody. So he called me into his office. And he said, what did you do? <laughs> I've got a computer. Well, didn't they tell you anything about it? No. Did they guide you? No. Did they ask you questions? No questions. I went out and I bought a book with my money. 
solid book. Lily, you've been a good employee for 25 years. Work in every department. The people know you on a first-name basis. They really like you. But I'm telling you, your boss is coming from Springfield to fire you. From what I can tell, you said I turned three shades of green. Then he looked at me and said, she's not going to fire you. If I could, I'd fire her. Nobody, nobody should ever touch a computer in this place without being properly informed and trained. That is so wrong that I can't believe it. I'll trash that gal if I can. No way is that going to happen under my administration. No way. Now, as for you, you're not going to be fired. I'm going to kick you upstairs. I'm going to make you my troubleshooter. Now, this isn't bad for a guy who five minutes ago is about to be fired. <laughs> You're going to go upstairs and going to work with Bertha, a gal I hired when I was in personnel, a great person. He said, You're going to work with her and you're going to work in arbitration support because the arbitrator's on one side and the IT department is on the other, and they don't talk to each other. Every time they make it a suggestion, the attorneys, the arbitrators who are politically appointed, call the governor's office or call the governor and said, Hey, this guy's hassling me. Fire him. We lose somebody in the IT department. They just go away. I said, we can't do that. We, we need an IT structure here. We're falling further and further behind, and it, it is getting to be impossible to do the work. You're to go upstairs. Bertha's been trained on the computer system. She will train you. And I want you to get that backlog out, done, out of here. You know everybody. They like you. You work between the two of them. You are my troubleshooter. I said, really? Yeah. That means if you get in trouble one more time, I'll shoot you myself. <laughs> so I got upstairs and I talked to Bertha. And we devised a plan that we would talk to the IT department and we'd find out what they could do. Then we'd go to the arbitrators and say, what do you want done? They'd tell us because we knew them on a first-name basis, all my friends. They'll go back to the IT department and say, they want it this way, this way, and this way. No, no, no. And we'd ask, why not, why not, why not? Well, we'd have to regen the machines. So, isn't that why they pay you? Well, yeah. Look, I've got to tell you, if we tell them no, we're not going to tell no. We're going to say, you said no. And you're going to pick up the phone again, and you're going to find yourself in uh, Cairo, Illinois. Or in the middle of the Mississippi River doing flood surveys or something. So why don't you just tell us what you can do? And we'll go back to them and we'll say what you can do. So we did that. Whenever there was a problem, they came to us from either side. They know we'd sit down and listen to them. We got the system up under time, under budget, and we knocked off that backlog as fast as you could believe never had a problem. We were always on time or ahead of time. We might not have to go out for lunch or break or might have to stay late, but we always did their work the way they wanted to. We listened to what they had to say. We divided the group up. Everyone had an individual arbitrator, and they'd do exactly the way they wanted to unless we couldn't. Chairman came upstairs one day. As a matter of fact, I met him in the elevator, kind of going like this. I said, what's that all about? And that was a warning shot. 
oh. But I knew things were going well. He finally came upstairs to chew out an arbitrator who did something wrong. And he had them all sat down, and he said, you should be thankful for the fact that we have a support staff who believes so highly in what they do that they do darn near close to miracles around here. They do their job. You could do your jobs. You're very well paid. Backlog is gone, and the government isn't screaming at me, and the IT people are leaving you alone. You have a suggestion, you have a question, you come to them. They'll take care of it. Wouldn't you know, two years after I get into this, and I had a fabulous job, loved everybody I worked with, we did the impossible. And we did it on a shoestring. They offered me early retirement. I had to think for about three or four months if I was really going to take it because I liked my job so well. But I kind of knew the political winds were blowing and it didn't look like the guy they were going to elect was going to be all that great. So I decided I think I'll put in my papers. One of the arbitrators that worked downstate who had to come upstate to get rid of our backlog, you work with them. I didn't know who he was because I didn't see him. I, I'm used to the people in the Chicago office. He said, Lou, I understand you put in your papers for retirement. I said, yeah, I, I thought it was about time. I get, you know, I've got two years out of the highest possible pay I could get, so it kind of makes sense. I said, well, you know, do what you think is right for you, but I have to tell you something. I know who the next chairman is going to be because I know who the governor is going to be and I know who he's going to appoint. And I talked to him, and he said, you have no problems. You and Bertha are going to stay no matter what. We don't want to stir up a hornet's nest. You guys did a great job. I thanked him for the information. I'm grateful for the fact that I could serve. But I decided to take an early retirement because it looked like Rod Blagojevich was going to be governor, and I felt it was a good idea to leave the Titanic before it hit the iceberg. The reason why I did what I did was I was so angered and so frustrated and so mad that a stupid machine was going to trash my job, 25 years of state service. I got so angered that I turned it into action. From that action became a powerful and personal task for me to learn a computer system. If I'd asked myself at that time, how do you go about this, I probably wouldn't have done it. I wasn't concerned about the how there and then. I was just concerned about the why. Why is it so important? Well, you get to save your job. That's pretty important. You can retire in some years, nice retirement. You can work with somebody you like and enjoy. We really had a good time. I couldn't believe it. Monday morning, I get to go to work. Wow. Why do I bring that up? You have a list in front of you. The reasons why you want to deal with a computer. Don't know what the list says, but obviously it's important to you. If it's that important to you, don't you want to do it? You know the outcomes, you know they'll be beneficial. Why not? But Lou, I don't know the first thing about computers, neither did I. 
You don't have to either. We'll, we'll go through that. You ask yourself the reason how, I really can't help you right now. But I want you to ask the reason why. The why is important. The how will come later. And don't give me this excuse about the fact I am too old or I'm not smart enough. Excuse me, you're top 10 percenters right now. You know what 90% of other people don't know about computers. You're in the top 10%, so I'm not going to take that excuse. Why should you? The rest of the stuff will come. Again, I talked to some of the pastors here, and they are eager to try to do something to get us started. And I think that can be readily accomplished. We're waiting until Dan Meyer returns, and then we'll see what can be done. And I think it can be. Part of the problem people have is the difference of the different machines. And again, a question came up. Do I get a desktop? Do I get a laptop? Do I get a tablet? The difference between a, a tablet and an actual computer, because a tablet really isn't a computer. A tablet provides information to you, sort of like a television set. You turn the channel, you get a variety of things that go on it. It really doesn't compute anything, but it does give you an access to information to the internet. And maybe that's all you want. That's, that's not my choice to make. That's your choice to make. If that's all you want, then a tablet will be fine. But I would urge you to think a little bit more ahead of the curve. The operating system that's on a tablet is very similar to that of a regular desktop or laptop. So we're not talking about a lot of more stuff that you have to know. The good thing is, on the desktop or the laptop, you can actually use it for a lot more. You can actually compute with something. A, tablet, a tablet has a touch screen on it. It has no real keyboard. You can do the keyboard on the screen, very poor way of typing anything. So that may not be the best solution for you. A laptop does have a keyboard. It also has a hard drive, so you can store stuff on it. It also has better memory, better processors. You can get 12 hours of battery life on one now before you have to recharge it. For most people, it's more than enough. You might want to consider that. Desktops. I like desktops. Why? In my division, we build them from the ground up. So we use choice components in it. Things like the case and the power supply. Go to a, any computer store. I don't care who it is. Go to Walmart and ask them, what's the power supply in that computer? I don't know. Ask the most expensive piece of equipment you could buy. Go to the high-end stores, even micro center, and say, what's the power supply in that computer? I don't know. Go look in any information, online or anywhere else, that says what the power supply of the computer is. It's not there. They don't tell you. Why? They know that people buy because of price. People may not com know computers, but they know dollars. So they're going to buy the lowest possible price computer they can because they just don't want to spend any more money than they have to. And that's a very valid reason. But the bad thing is, what do they do? I mean, everybody buys the same processors, the same hard drives, the same 
optical drives, all the stuff inside. So how do they make them cheaper? They use lesser quality components. They use a really bad power supply that barely provides enough of power to keep that computer as is going. You add more RAM, you add another hard drive, you put in a graphics card, and you're totally out of the power range that that computer can safely give you. So it takes your hard drive down, crashes it. That means the information on the hard drive is no longer accessible. It all is gone. Because they didn't tell you the power supply is junk. Rule of thumb is, if you decide to go to a desktop, and if the desktop costs less than $500, what I would do is say, fine, but I want to have another power supply put into that computer. A good one. Something that's more powerful than it is now. If you do that, generally you can upgrade that machine for, for quite a few years. I also buy, because I'm a power user, my small computer is the size of a doghouse. Uh, and that's the small one. The reason why I do that is that I know I can swap out the motherboard and the processor and put the latest and greatest inside. That's all I have to buy. All the attachments for it will be there. I don't have to buy another power supply. I don't have to buy another case. I can leave the hard drive in there. I can put on another operating system. I can keep the old operating system and use both of them if I want to. What a desktop provides you is a great deal of choices, a great deal of things that you may want to do in the future. And it does so at a relatively low cost. I don't like laptops because of the fact that they're more prone to damage. They're more prone to uh, temperature change, humidity change. They can be stolen. You're generally going to use wireless, which means you're putting the stuff in the air. And that means it can be accessed by somebody else. Surely don't do your income tax wirelessly. Don't buy in a credit card wirelessly unless you're at a secured site. Generally, if you're in a library inside your home, that should be OK. But I've been on a number of laptops, and I can detect all the other people and their wireless connections. Now, they generally encrypt it and encode their access codes. Those can be easily broken. Now, again, a, a keyboard on a laptop is pretty mushy compared to what you can get in a regular keyboard. And it costs maybe $4. So again, think carefully of what you're going to use your computer for. You plan to do those great things generally, not always, but generally, a desktop is your best bet. But if you absolutely, positively need mobility, and I mean not just a little bit, but a lot, it's absolutely the thing you must have, then obviously a laptop is a choice for you. But I wouldn't make it my first choice. I'd use it as a secondary machine. I now have a laptop because I am going to read a little book this summer. Windows Operate Microsystems, their book. Because when we start up in the fall, I want to know all there is to know about Windows 8. It's going to require a lot. Somebody, people, some people have told me, Lou, you explain things so well, why don't you write? They've been telling me that for years. I've looked at the stuff that I would like to have for class. There's no one place I can go to. A lot of it's junk. A lot of it is so esoteric, nobody understands what's going on. I'm going to have to do my own writing. Whether I'm published or not, I'm going to have to make my own workbook. 
and that's what I'm going to share with you so that we can learn together. And I mean learn together. Prior to the time they tossed that computer on my desk, I knew nothing about computers. Nothing. Now I'm pretty good at it. I plan to be a good teacher. A good teacher teaches the class everything they know that is useful and answers their questions. I plan to be a great teacher because I'm not only planning to tell you what I know, I plan that you become the teachers. There is no reason why anyone here learn more than I do, learns more than I have now. There is no reason why anyone here turn around and teach me something they found. There is no reason why any person here can't be a guru for somebody else. Oh, admittedly, you don't perhaps know that much now, but I told you something today. You're in the top 10%. Okay, it's only one thing, but tomorrow you learn another thing, and then another, and another after that, and after that. Now, you tell me, at what point have you stopped becoming a novice and now become an, a, a starting person? You learn more and again more and again more. That's useful for you now. It's on that page. Things you said were important and you learn more. Now you're intermediate. You decide it's not so bad. I'll, I'll do more. Then you become advanced. Why can't you teach somebody else? Why can't you teach me? I know nothing about scrapbooking. That may be under a list. Guess what? You can teach me. Why not? You're in the top 10%. I plan to keep you there. Do we have any more questions? Yes. Who are you? I am Larry. Hi, Larry. <laughs> um, in all of this information, Lou, you picked up that book, looks pretty thick. Uh, if you give us general information about these things, and you're saying we can pick that book up, read it, and it'll be simple enough for us to get everything out of it that we can work on particular programs with Windows 8? Because I know Windows 8, working on the computer ultimately is knowing the programs. Basically. So would that does that go step by step, or what's your commentary on it? My commentary is on this. It does presuppose certain things, that you know how to navigate the computer screen. Uh, because it is Windows 8 and they have changed that screen for that particular program, they do go in great deal, a deal over that in very minute detail. There is nothing in that book that I'm going to have to study that you can't pick up. Now, right now, it may seem a little strange because you're not familiar with some of the lingo. But once you get the basics down, you know, there's no reason why you can't pick that book up. Now, I would not suggest doing it first. First of all, it's kind of expensive. I think something like this would be far more appropriate. Easy, computer basics, Windows 8 edition. What I, we used to call them comic books. They're not. What they are is you go to it and it says you punch this, and this is the screen that comes up. And you do this with it, and this is the way it looks like. Very easy. This is Windows 8 2, all the way through. Get this, and it's not a book you're going to sit down and read. 
like uh, you know a novel. You're going to go to uh, the pages that interest you. You know what connections look like. Logging on. How to close the windows. You know you don't just shut it now. How to connect it to your iPod. How to delete unnecessary files. It's all in here. And I think it's I got this at Sam's for I think $15.99. Uh, you can go to uh, Barnes and Noble, pick that up. Another one you may want to consider is what they call plain and simple from Windows 8. You can do the same thing. Uh, I don't have choice between the two. I like kind of like the easier ones because Microsoft charges a little bit too much for theirs. But you can also go to Amazon and get most of those books that way. They have another one called Windows 8 in five minutes a day. The idea being that they assume that you know the very basics of computers, and I mean the very basics. But you want to learn more about Windows 8. Well, you go onto that particular one, and for five minutes a day, they just teach you something. So presumably, by the time you get through with the book, you have virtually everything you need to know. Are, are you saying then that what you teach us will give us enough foundational basics that if we get these books, we can look in the books and we can move ourselves? I'd start out with just one. That's all you need. But yes, you should know the very basics, and that's what we're going to teach. I assume that you never turn a computer on. And for those people who have, I don't apologize for that. I think it's always a good idea to know basics. For instance, I know people have laptops, and they complain about neck pains. Well, look at it. Your, your laptop is down there, and you're looking at it like this. When you have a desktop, we always tell people to have a monitor where you can sit down in your chair and look directly at it. You don't have to look up. You don't have to look down. You look directly at it. Guess what? They don't have any pain. Now you know why I don't like laptops too much. Another question. My name is George. Joe. I've heard that Windows 8, a lot of people don't like Windows 8. Why do you pick that particular operating system? And also, by the time when you get familiar with it, a new operating system comes along. So how, so how do you judge? More and more, the computer world is getting mobile. Microsoft knew that. And they didn't do very much in the way of uh, portable equipment, the tablets and the multiple um, laptops that they have to do a variety of reasons, uh, a variety of tasks with them. What they wanted to do is if you get a laptop, they wanted you to work with the systems that are there and are coming down the pike, touch screens, uh, leap motion, all the rest of it. Now, the worst possible thing you can do is you, you become familiar with the motions on the tablet. And then you go home and you work on your desktop. That's totally different. What they want to do is make the both synchronous. So the one thing that they did was to amplify the uh, input for gesture. I have a Windows 8 laptop. And I have to admit, I didn't particularly like it. But I do recommend Windows 8 operating system. If you do have trouble with it and you have an older system at home, there is a program you can download called Classic Shell. All one word, Classic Shell. It's a free program. You download it to your computer, you set it up to run, and you have your Windows XP operating system, just as you remembered it. But you still have all the advantages of Windows 8. And Windows 8 has enormous advantage, advantages to it. 
First of all, it's a server, which means a computer can serve other machines. It can synchronize with laptops and tablets, your uh, iPods, anything you want. It was designed to be this be-all, end-all program for everybody. Some people object to a little bit of it. It's a little bit overwhelming. But again, that's the reason why you buy the books, and you look at it, and it shows you the things you can do with it. As you become more accustomed to it, you can do these things or with ease. Yes? Uh, I, have, I have Windows uh, Vista. Does it work with Vista or with that classic shell? Classic shell uh, won't work with Vista because they don't have the changes that they put in it with Windows 8. That only occurred in Windows 8. Windows Vista and Windows 7 still have the classic mode, what we call for your desktop. What they've done with uh, Windows 8 is they put what they call tiles. And you go to that tile, and you can either push, touch the screen, or you can use your mouse to get to it. The most reasonable way of explaining it is that when people first got eight, and they started the machine, they didn't have their familiar start program, and they were totally confused because that's all they remembered is the start program. Well, one of the tiles on the screen that comes up is called the desktop. Put your mouse on that or touch it, and your Windows desktop comes back just like you knew it. People were so incensed about it, they didn't want to think about going to the desktop, which is readily available right there. Quite frankly, I like the tile program. And you can arrange those tiles any way you want to. So you can have the most used programs there. You can have utility programs there. You can have another one for music. You can have another one for video. There's no end of how many you can put on there the way you want to set it up. But that's the problem. We have all these choices to make. What is the best ones for me? That's what I hope to go over the class with. Just as I told people about Haswell, because you're not going to find any information anywhere else. Know why it's good. Make the choice whether or not you think it's going to be beneficial for you or not. But if you have nothing at the present time, it kind of makes sense to go with the latest and greatest. You will have to spend some time getting familiar with it. But the potential for you to do what you want is much greater. And I've, I've, now that I have eight on my laptop, I'm definitely going to put it on the desktop. I'll, I bought the program specifically for that. Unfortunately, my flood that I have, my, my material was basically downstairs, all the papers and books. And I have $1,000 worth of hard drives that are drying out. Hopefully, I'll be able to read the information from them, but I don't think they'll be salvageable after that. Um, and I do plan to start my, my laboratory upstairs. I'm not going to trust the basement anymore. It's nice and cool during the summer. I have a fireplace down there. I can play games 2 a.m. in the morning. Ooh, just throw another log on the fire. It's a lot of fun. Did that answer your question? Go to Classic Shell, at least to begin with. Uh, also, when it comes to the idea of this, I, uh, why should I bother learning it? Because they're going to come out with another program anyway. It certainly seems to be the characteristic of computers and software to deal with more and different programs. And that's not too hard to understand. When we started with the on and off stuff, original computers used 8-bit programming. It takes, took 8 bits of information. That's all it could handle. Then they moved fairly rapidly to 16-bit and then 32. Now we're up to 64-bit and multiple processors that allow people to do simultaneous things all over the place. 
Uh, Windows 8 has a server capability, so you can use it with your laptop. You can do a variety of other things. You can do music. You can download a movie. You can do your homework, whatever you want on it, simultaneously. That is how powerful they are. And once you can be that good, you'll want to do all that stuff. And I'm having a lot of fun. Somebody told me, they said, you realize I'm into old-time radio. These are programs that were made prior to 1962. They're in the public domain, so you can download them free. Many sites you can go to. And I'm having a ball listening to The Shadow, The Lone Ranger, Tracy. Um, there's a, Jack Benny was never more funny than listening to him on the radio. Uh, Alice Faye and her husband, uh, somebody Harris, they, they're absolutely funny. They're absolutely hilarious if you listen to them. I, if, you, if you listen to the news when you go home at night, I suggest listening for a half hour to Jack Benny. Uh, you don't care what's going to happen in the world today. You're going to go to sleep with a smile on your face. It's just absolutely hilarious. And these programs were made 50, 60 years ago, just as good today as they were then. Yep. Uh, I've, I've known Chuck Shaden, and I talked to Steve Darnell. I go to their programs. By the way, they frequently have them in the area, so get onto that program. I record that program because my Saturdays, I frequently can't get four hours free. They have it on the Internet. You have one week to download it. That's why I got a laptop. When I go to Michigan, and have to read the book on the beach. I'm going to go to their public library, plug in my laptop, and I want to download that four-hour program onto my laptop. Then I take it and I put it onto a CD and I play it in my car. Or I can put it on my Sony and play it while I walk around. Um, how you want to do it is up to you, but I can do that all with one simple program. Having fun. Another question. Web browser. Right now, probably Internet Explorer 10. Uh, they're moving into 11. When you talk about safe, though, it depends what you're, uh, you mean about safe. Normally, if you're doing something like a bank transaction or paying bills, you'll see on the top of the screen a lock. And when you see that lock locked, you know, the, the, the little bar goes back into the lock, just like a you know, locker lock. When you see it open like that, you know it's not locked. You're safe. If somebody gets a hold of that information, it isn't because of the fact that you went to an unsafe uh, browser. It's because of the fact you put that information in the air. Now, because my internet is out, I go to the Downers Grove Public Library and I download uh, those were the day's program. And I can do that with their unrestricted uh, wireless labs, lab uh, web site that they have at the public library, and they welcome me. I even have a place to plug in the computer, the laptop, so I don't have to worry about battery power. But when I want to pay my bills, or I want to check my checking account, I go use one of the wired desktop computers they have. Why? Because it's wired. No way they're going to get that information unless somebody's looking over my shoulder, and I make sure they're not overlooking the information I put down. I type it in. So I can't say that one website is better than the other. Browsers are okay, but uh, there's a problem that they have in using Google. Google has gotten to be a very large firm, a multi-billion dollar firm, 
And the reason why they got that way is that when you ask a question or look for some information on Google, they come up with the suggested sites. The first sites are the ones that are paid to Google to put them on first. So again, it's information they want you to know, not necessarily information you need to know. And Google gives this information back. There was another question on what cookies are. A cookie is part of a program that when you go out to the internet and you go to a particular vendor, they post on your computer information. For instance, they know they're interested in their products. So when you go on the internet, you see these little advertisements on the sides. Isn't it strange? It's the ones that you inquired about before. Things that you talked about, well, looked at. Google gave them the information. Now, at that level, I don't think it's harmful. Maybe irritating, but it's not harmful. You looked at that site, you have an interest in it, they assume you're going to want to go back and look at it. And sometimes I found some, some nice things to buy. Um, but understand that that's how Google makes their money. That's why it's free. Now, Microsoft came out with Bing. And Bing is another program that you can look up things for. It's, it's uh, a browser type war. And Bing says it's very quick. Now, I gotta tell you, one nanosecond faster and you're not gonna notice it. So who cares? But Bing says they don't sell their information and they don't make recommendations. Some people like recommendations. I've been turned on to a couple of companies that I really like. So I don't particularly mind it. It's just when they get so obnoxious and they start sending you email, and they don't do that, and they, and they tell their vendors that you cannot send email to these people unless they respond to your ad and they give you that information. We are not going to give that information out. Now it comes to the NSA, you got a court order. They're going to do what they want. But I cannot recommend one browser over another. I have Google, I have uh, Bing, and I have Internet Explorer on my computer. I can use all three. I'm sorry, which one? I don't particularly like Opera all that much. I think it's in between type program. I think when Microsoft came out with their Internet Explorer, they automatically put it on the program. You had it whether you liked it or not. And then Firefox and Opera came out and they said, hey, we're so much better. You have a lot more you can do with this. So they came back and they said Internet Explorer can do that too. So the fact that you have more than one browser and one place you can go for information, nobody's going to get away with speed or uh, better features on it. I love it when there's competitors. That's why I don't particularly like Apple. Apple is a single source vendor. What that means is you buy from Apple, it's either our way or the highway. You cannot build your own Apple computer. Now, they use the same equipment, basically, that uh, is used by the PC market. They buy their processors from Intel, their motherboards from Gigabyte, and other manufacturers. But their software will not work on anything but an Apple computer. Now, it's up to me. If I were in charge, I'd say you either a software company or a hardware company. Make up your mind. Your software will work with everybody's computer. Your hardware will work with everybody's software and we won't have any complaints about it. You're using the airwaves, you're using the internet, that is public domain, shut up or get out of the business. I put my foot down real hard 
And the reason why they don't do that is because they have all these people in Washington bribing other people, saying in effect, oh no, we want comp competition. No, they don't. They want a monopoly. In the United States, our, soft, our uh, connection to the internet is very poor. South Korea is far ahead of us. Most of China is ahead of us. And we're the leading nation in the world. Go prove it. I can't prove it. And why? Because AT&T and Verizon and Comcast are going there bribing the living daylights out of the people saying, oh no, you need us. No. This year, there's not going to be cable for television like you know it. This year, uh, there'll be at least 10 million TV sets just plugged into the internet directly. They don't need anything. They don't need Comcast. Oh, they need somebody to provide them internet service, but they don't have to go with their programming. It's going to be open and free, and you're going to hear it scream. You're going to hear them holler. There's no reason they can't do it now. Matter of fact, five million sets are already up there. You don't need to spend $99 a month to watch uh, NBC News. Go there. It's 12 o'clock. Lou needs another. Let's have a bottle of water break. <laughs> and he's very, very good about answering questions for people, but I imagine you're pretty much in the exhausted department. Mm, not quite <laughs> he's there. getting there. I'm not quite Anyhow, there. We promised him the summer off, but we all, he also promised us that he would come back in the fall after he's read that whole book. <laughs> um, I do and love the questions. They're excellent questions. If anybody has more, please stay. Okay, and you're welcome to stay and finish up your coffee whenever. I just wanted to give Lou a, a, a drink of water break. So thank you. On behalf of those who have other places they have to go, um, God bless, and thank you for sharing with us.